one thing I'd like to pump in here on the earliest. Go ahead, please. So we're doing all this acceleration, upright running, and all of that. But what are we doing on the change in direction thing? Talk about it. I mean, I just so, had, I was just talking about it with Les. Yeah, all gas, no brakes is not a great equation, right? No. So, you know, guys in my network, like uh, Damien Harper in the UK, Tom DeSantos in the UK, Lauren Landau has been doing this for two decades, uh, Tim Paylot at the USOC. You know, these people are doing pioneering work on change in direction, training, body adaptation, and so on and so forth. So, you know, if we talk about excursion angle on a start or first step or acceleration position, segmental work and movement pathways, we, we've done the go faster bit to death, but then when it slow down, how far do you put the feet in front or the center mass? You know, what kind of body position? How do we lower the hips in a uniform manner? You know, do these people have the capability to do like a five yard blast stop, 10 yard blast stop, five yard flare, five yard pivot, so on and so forth. We're not analyzing those abilities. So we're analyzing the acceleration and the running abilities to death, but it's early days on the change in direction stuff. And I think that's where we got a little bit of an imbalance. <clears throat> now, would you 100% subscribe to the notion that you can get somebody faster by teaching them how to stop better? Yes. And now going down that hole, do you think the limited notion is in the fact that it's easier to assess and measure how well someone's accelerating and running at top speed. And maybe that's why we're not doing it. Uh, I mean, even if you went with barnyard stuff that I do, like, you know, what, what is like at contact mid stance, toe off, just looking at body segments on good movers and bad movers, whether they're accelerating or changing direction, you can get actionable data and information and, and action points from just simple measurements. So, in terms of, you know, acceleration and max velocity, we're looking at, you know, toe off, max uh, MVP, uh, strike, touchdown, and full support. What were you using it, for any of our uh, listeners out there that are familiar with, you know, kinematics? Um, what would be the same landmark images that you're looking at when people are changing direction? Well, the first and foremost is posture. So looking at the longitudinal axis and how these body segments. So when we decelerate, there's more of a hip hinge, right? Mm -hmm. So the torso is undergoing some kind of deformation into a greater hip hinge. And that's where we get the ACLs. People don't hip hinge. They actually lay back step lateral bone because they're unaware of how to close the torso down. Center of mass lowering, how is it lowering? contact point in front of the center mass so touchdown distance in good movers we see certain unique patterns depending on speed so Danian harper has some really good stuff on like five yard stops 10 yard stops 15 yard stops and how these segmental positions are occurring in decelerated movement is he teaching now i'm asking because i'm not familiar with it or is he like <clears throat> all right within that you know, five yards, it's going to be easier to stop than the 10, 15, 20. We understand that. How is this stopping being taught? Is it taught with, you know, chopping the feet, stop however you have to stop? Um, that's no. the first question. No. So, you know, they're looking at, again, it's kind of doing inter-athlete study. So whether it's rugby or European football or basketball or whatnot, they're looking at people that decelerate really well. 
really like only you're selecting the best athletes from those sports or across the board academy level elite olympic level or whatever and you 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 get a general pattern you know so one thing we know the people that decelerate really well they lower their center mass mm-hmm. well how do they do that and what's the rate of lowering what's the slope of lowering you can start to see trends and patterns People generally put their foot out in front of themselves a little bit so to increase braking forces. How much and how what is the foot orientation when it strikes the ground? And how is that foot placement, that touchdown distance, interfacing with torso collapse or torso closure? So looking at those interrelationships. How much of this is worried about coming to a complete stop or coming to a deceleration followed by another rapid acceleration. Yeah. So they're doing work 45 degree cut, 90 degree cut, 180 pivot. You know, they're, they're looking at all of those movement schemes. <clears throat> and those, those are in closed chain environments. And then you slowly segue into more open chain dynamic environments. So they're trying to see, okay, these guys are really good at closed chain testing and monitoring whatnot. What do they like when it becomes more of a cognitive puzzle? And what we see is people in game situations that are good decelerators exhibit a lot of the same qualities they exhibit in close chain. Taking a quick break from the show, everybody. Promises will take less than 15 seconds. Friendly reminder, go ahead, hit that subscribe button below. It helps us out and it helps you out by being notified whenever we have new content come out. So hit that subscribe button. And with this, let's get back to the show. My next question that I wrote down as you were talking about all that was what were some of the ways that they control for the fact of making sure like, okay, you're actually running the five yards or the 10 yards or the 15 rather than short changing it and knowing like, okay, I got to stop coming up. I'm not going to run as fast as I actually can. Yeah. Uh, I, I would encourage people to get into some of Damien's research and uh, Tom DeSantis. They they have some really good web pages and blogs on this, and they do a lot of courses. I think uh, it's like I, I think it's like any other menu item that you're developing. You, you know, you you build in safeguards or constructs to ensure that people are doing it. So one way is to to use lasers. You know, are they running the right speed? Uh, you know, GPS is probably too too global on a lot of the short change in direction stuff. So GPS probably, if you have accelerometers or IMUs, you know, that would be a really good way. The quickest way is laser. Mm-hmm. Uh, View Motion, uh, a group out of uh, Sydney, Australia, uh, actually has video capability to measure a lot of these variables. Are they measuring, you know, even to... Uh drf off of that change in direction like what's the orientation yeah. vertical and oh wow wow and so are they able to to show that like the best athletes are getting you know is it still 45 is it 50 like what are they what are the best exhibiting without i mean if you're not allowed to talk about it because it's all proprietary or whatever no i i mean it's still in uh the change in direction stuff view motion still in beta because they're doing machine learning and ai so they're collecting huge reams of data you know a to validate the measuring accuracy reliability and validity but also to to then see trends and patterns over time as they get the better as these athletes that you know they've been working with and you've been working with get better at the physical capability of it 
this is making me think about some conversations I've had with Jeff Moyer about the perception action coupling part of it and, you know, the OODA loop and seeing what's going on. How does that get taken into account with all of this? Well, <clears throat> that's where it gets tricky. So how do you design sessions or testing batteries or whatnot that are more open chain that have a higher cognitive perceptual demand? But yet are that? also reliable and repeatable. Yeah. So the minute you make it more open chain, now you have more variables, right? So <laughs> and you're trying to do science and you're like, okay, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> but I, I, I can give you a case study one. I work at the MLS Academy here in Austin. So, you know, we're doing various change in direction, educational pieces and warmups and weight room stations and, and what have you. And we're, kind of measuring people on close chain activities and very, very radical changes and improvement on these kids, just learning the ABCs of various close chain activities. Now, is that translating to the game? Well, we won't know until the end of the season where we're measuring, you know, play on the field. How do you measure success in that aspect? Because I've heard people talking of, you know, the typical KPIs of 5105, L drill, any of that stuff. But I've also heard some pretty forward thinking coaches of, uh, in the sport of American football, um, tackles made or tackles missed if you're a running back or a receiver, or um, the ability in basketball to, you know, get, get into the lane, dribble, dribble, penetrate. Are those some things that you've been advising people to look on? And if not, what are some of the other ones? Yeah, well, I think this comes down to, you know, what I call backroom work, you know, so how are these people cutting up game tapes or practice tapes and are they looking at some of these variables. So you can get game tapes and measure first step distance and rate of speed and whatnot, so you can measure first step, you can measure first step on a straight start and a cutting step or all of that so I think with some work in the back room, you can measure some of these qualities. 